0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, the weather is nice. Some stuff still going on at Forum Park, though. So we're going to have to be inside for a little bit today, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I'll be able to venture out of the house. This isn't like the other day where I was getting excited to go outside, and then all of a sudden the news breaks and I'm stuck inside for the rest of the day. I, th- I think I'll be we'll, we'll be able to get through this, and uh, there, we should be able to enjoy the rest of the day. I, I say that knowing that something's going to happen later. Now,
0: <laughs> always something crazy on the horizon, right? Yes, always. This
1: team is not boring. That's that's one thing that can, cannot be disputed.
0: Yep, just like I said the other day, as soon as you think you have the answers, they change the questions, the old Roddy Roddy Piper axiom in play with the Jets. And that's why everything that's going on right now is fluid. We're hearing that Joe Douglas from Philly is probably going to be coming in here. The Jets have to satisfy the Rooney Rule requirement. But after that, everybody expects that Douglas will be the guy it's possible that he gets cold feet. Obviously, there are going to be some people that will warn him about getting in bed with Gase and hitching his wagon to him. So maybe he has second thoughts. But I would imagine, Chris, that this is something that Gase has privately been trying to sell Douglas on for quite a while.
1: Yeah, from my understanding, that's what the case is. And so this none of this is a surprise to Joe Douglas. That's the thing about this is that he's been aware. I mean even if even if he wasn't actually talked to, and there was no actual connection there and this is not has not been a secret around the league. This has been a known thing this is why it was reported the way it was like this is something that people have been talking about for a long time, so as much as you know. The fan base and the, uh, the national media is, is acting like this is some huge surprise and the timing of it's some huge surprise. This isn't a huge surprise to people uh, around the league. They have kind of saw this coming. Now, you can see a lot of people saying, all right, they que- will question the timing of it. But this isn't a surprise, and Joe Douglas certainly isn't surprised. And if he has people trying to talk him out of it now, he probably had those same people trying to talk him out of it beforehand. Uh, i still think that this is, tends to be a you know a, for all intents and purposes a done deal and they're going to have to go through the ruling rule stuff and figure all that out and make sure that it doesn't come across a certain way but we saw what that happened with the raiders there's ways to work around it they can do this, this isn't going to be that big of an issue i'm not going to sit here and say it's definitive or anything like that and mostly just because I don't have any uh, connection or way of talking to Joe Douglas, or I don't have a source directly close to Joe D- Douglas who has talked directly to him. So I can't sit there and say anything from his perspective. But from everything I've been hearing, it's it, it's going to be Joe Douglas, and uh, likely some combination, uh, something with Je- Daniel Jeremiah too. But we'll we'll have to wait and see exactly how it plays out. But I'd expect uh, Joe Douglas to be the guy.
0: This whole situation may not be a surprise to Joe Douglas, but there are several ex-Jets that were pretty surprised by this, including your old friend Sheldon Richardson, who was asked about it at Brown's training camp. Nick Mangold and Willie Colon were at a charity dinner for CeCe Sabathia last night, and they were also pretty surprised by it. And the prevailing sentiment seems to be, A, what in the heck is actually going on here, and B, why would the Jets make this move now? I would assume that... If those three are asking those questions, a lot of people around the league and specifically a lot of players and even maybe some people in the organization are asking that question.
1: Yeah, definitely. Players are definitely asking that question. Some people in the organization, probably less so. Uh, One thing I'll say about this, though, especially when you're talking about, well, even current players and former players, they don't pay attention to this stuff as closely as fans and media do. So uh, th- I don't think Nick Mangold, Willie Colon, and Sheldon Richardson have been really sitting here looking at, uh, you know, Mike McCagnon's record and his draft picks and really parsing them and realizing that the mistakes he's made in free agency and all of that. So it's just kind of one of these things where. You generally expect people to get fired between certain windows of time, you know, and this is not one of those windows. This is one of those windows where it does happen. We, we you know we know this. It happened with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. It's happened with some other teams. It is something that people do. Normally, it's more of a we, we're changing the scouting whole thing. Like that's what typically gets changed when a new GM comes in, the new GM gets hired right after the season. The scouting department changes right after the draft. So it's but it's not this window of time isn't normally for a GM here. But I you know, like I said, I I don't know how much time they're sitting here spending on this. And, you know, if you had asked them right before Bowles had gotten fired about whether Mac should stay or this and that, I don't know. Uh, hey, I just said this and that, that it was, uh, I just noticed I said that. All right. All right. Now I'm, now I'm taking n- mental notes of this. Okay. Um, yeah, if, if that's the case, I don't know how they would have responded then. So it, it, I think it's just, again, this type of window is the, the window of time that's doing this. And I get that to an extent, but M- Mike McCannon being fired is, is far from the worst thing that could happen to this organization.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. With Willie Cologne, I would hope he was paying close attention because he works for SNY as an analyst, so that's kind of part of his job. If anything, he should have been in the loop. The other two, maybe not as much. But one guy who was probably at least a little bit in the loop and certainly not surprised by the tension that was going on and absolutely not surprised that he was shipped out of town was Darren Lee, who was traded the other day to Kansas City for a sixth round pick. It was basically the first thing that Adam Gase did as soon as he took over as interim general manager. This is the statement that he put out on Twitter after being traded. He said, First off, I would like to thank the Jets organization for giving me the opportunity of a lifetime, as well as the fans that showed nothing but love all of my days there. I'm forever grateful for the years I got to play for Gang Green. Thank you. Which is as nice of a statement as you can put out, of course. It's not entirely true because obviously we know that he had his back-and-forth battles on Twitter specifically with a lot of Jets fans. And there were some acrimonious moments with the media and fans. But overall, his time here is going to be marred, unfortunately, by his inconsistent play. He's a guy that talked a lot and didn't really back it up on the field. He flashed from time to time. He had that good game in Detroit, although we later found out that a big part of it is because, as Darren Lee himself revealed, they knew the plays ahead of time but he just never lived up to what they expected of him as the 20th overall pick. It's the classic case of a guy that was a tweener that they hoped they would figure out the proper role for, and they never did. Maybe he'll have more success in Kansas City in a different defense. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him here. I wish him the best. It's disappointing that he didn't end up doing better here and earning a second contract, but such is life in the NFL.
1: Uh, What I'll say about this is he actually phrased, I think he phrased that perfectly in that tweet. Because it can be read, either as you just read it and you took it, or it can be read as saying, uh, you know, he's only talking about the fans who specifically gave him love, Mm
0: -hmm. and he's
1: excluding and ignoring all the fans who gave him anything but love. Mm -hmm. Because there is certainly a huge segment of that, and I think that's a Honestly, I think his Twitter habits played more of a role in the way that a lot of this fan base felt about him more than anything else. Uh, it's one thing to to be a little bit of a disappointment as a player, especially as a first-round pick, but then the, to have the Twitter habits he did and have that, that rub people the wrong way, I, that's what really took him into the upper echelon of uh, most disliked players on the Jets, so... This is a good opportunity for him to be put in a different defense, so we'll see how the Chiefs use him. They don't have a lot of depth there. Uh, one thing I, I will say, I saw a lot of people talking about this uh, You know, as the move was made about how the Jets, Adam Gase, just traded away a starting center, a starting linebacker. He's not a starter. Like, Avery no. Williamson was already here. They just signed in C.J. Mosley. Darren Lee was a depth person. And then oh, there's this idea that I keep seeing that he was traded for bad value. Yeah, you know, a six-round pick isn't great value, but um, I got news for you people. That was Darren Lee's value. There's no, this... People were saying, oh, they should have just held on to him and gotten a comp pick. What type of comp pick do you expect to get from him, for him? He's not going to sign a huge contract, especially if he stays here and he doesn't have a starting role. How is he going to earn a big contract? On top of that, the Jets are going to be spending more money next offseason, so they will easily counteract that. They weren't getting a comp pick for Darren Lee. The McCagnum was trying to hold out for a fifth-round pick, he couldn't get that, so Gase got what he could got and that's the value. What when you can only get a certain amount for a player, that is his value. If they could, if they had offers for a third, Gase would have taken that. That his value was a sixth round pick at this point. And it's it's that simple.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. I think what it boils down to is Gase and probably Greg Williams wanted him out of here. And they would have liked to have, like you said, gotten a third or a fourth if possible. But teams just didn't value him at that. I'm sure that it didn't help that he had the suspension. I'm sure it didn't help that everybody and their mother knew that Darren Lee was on the trade block. And so at the end of the day, Adam Gase decided he would take whatever it was he could get and move along. You can make the argument that the Jets would have been better off keeping Darren Lee and hoping that he contributed more in this Greg Williams defense. But clearly, Greg Williams and Adam Gase... Didn't see it that way and chose to move on. But as one guy moves on to a new team, another guy stays. Robbie Anderson finally signs his one-year tender, $3 million. Obviously, if they choose to sign him to a long-term extension, he's going to get a lot more than that. But as we expected, Robbie Anderson will be back in Jet Green in 2019. And barring injuries, I would think that he's going to be a major contributor in the Gase offense.
1: Absolutely. I've been saying this. The best thing about the Gase hires. Is- what I think he can do uh, to help expand Robbie Anderson's game, to get him more touches, to use him in, you know, not too many more ways, but in enough new and more ways that it'll free him up doing what he does best even more. Um, It is interesting, the timing of it. You got to wonder if Robbie's like, there's a lot going on right Let me go sign that contract now and make sure I get on Adam Gase's good side. Uh, it is probably unlikely. It's probably more just a, a coincidence of the timing. But it is it is interesting to think about. But, again, uh, Adam Gase is going to love Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson is going to love what, just like we talked about, Albert Wilson is the one guy that was really defending him there. And I know that's a different situation since he brought him in from a team where Albert felt he wasn't being used enough and then gave him more of a role. But same thing, Robbie wasn't happy with uh, the limited role he had last year, the limited scope of the offense. If Adam Gase can use him in more ways and get him more touches, he's going to be all about Adam Gase, and Adam Gase is going to have a lot of fun coaching Robbie Anderson with everything he can do.
0: One guy that you would hope he's going to have fun coaching, despite the fact that he reportedly didn't want him in the first place, is Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, that stuff has leaked out now. And so Le'Veon Bell put out a statement, and there's been some talk about how Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase are going to coexist now with the information out there that Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell and preferred to get Tevin Coleman for much cheaper. According to Brian Costello of the New York Post, Adam Gase has been in contact with Le'Veon Bell over the last couple of days and they've been talking. Nobody knows exactly what's being said, but the gist of it is that he's trying to repair the relationship ahead of the season, which is obviously smart. What have you heard about this, Chris? Is Adam Gase at all worried about the effect that this could have on Le'Veon Bell?
1: I don't think he's too, I I don't think worried is the word I would use there, but he is being proactive. Um, You know, he's, he said to us before uh, when we went to the voluntary OTAs and he wasn't there, he said that they they stay in touch with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon has been in the building since then. He does show up and stuff. So they've been in touch with him. It's not a huge surprise. I don't know how, again, I don't know that I'd say that he's worried about it but he's being proactive about it and it's smart and he's, you know, he's going to sit there and he's going to sell him on it and say, you know, it's, this isn't true. This isn't true. And you know how the media is. And I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is going to buy it or not, but I don't think it matters because of what Le'Veon Bell tweeted the other day. It's, it's it's gonna he's gonna show up and he's gonna do work and he's gonna do his work, he's gonna show up and he wants to prove that he's still the same running back. He wants to show out and he wants to win and he's gonna want to play for that another contract, or to stay on this contract as long as possible and then possibly get another contract there. So Gase is being smart and proactive here. I would expect that he's probably trying to do something similar with you know CJ Mosley. But I don't think I I would say that he's worried about it. I don't know that that's something that Gase particularly worries too much about. But it's something that he's obviously doing, and it's smart and proactive. And I I don't expect it to be an issue. He's once he's has Le'Veon Bell in here, it, he's not. It's not like he's going to be like ah, we got to get this guy less touches. He knows he needs to win, and Le'Veon Bell on the roster, he's going to have to. Utilize him a lot to do that. And Le'Veon Bell is going to show up and play football and, and be a great football player at that.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Regardless of what Adam Gase thinks of Le'Veon Bell's personality or whether or not he was worth the money that he was paid. Adam Gase knows offense and anybody who watches football knows that Le'Veon Bell is a deadly weapon in both the running game and the passing game. So if Joe Sixpack sitting on his couch knows it, guaranteed Adam Gase realizes it. And whether or not he wanted Bell, he knows that his best path to winning this season with the Jets is to make sure that Le'Veon Bell is a very important part of the game plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, maybe Le'Veon's sitting here, and he's still like, "All right, well, now I'm going to need to to make sure and really prove to him my worth," and he's going to do that uh, again. the The thing with Gase is it's not that he was like, eh, "I don't like Le'Veon Bell as a football player." I don't think he's a good running back. He, Gase knows what he is. It's the the concern about Gase, uh, about Bell for Gase was his personality there, so. Maybe he can use this to try to keep it, him in check or whatever. I, I don't think it's going to matter in the end. Again, I think I think Gase probably has this perception of Bell that a lot of other people do, When he's going to see him come in and he's going to see him work and he's going to see him do what he does and he's going to realize that Le'Veon Bell's maybe not the problem that he thought he was i think they'll be able to coexist just fine i I don't and again he is a special talent and he can help in every possible phase he's going to help sam Darnold out so much adam gase is not is not a dumb man especially when it comes to offensive football he he's going to learn this and figure it out real quick and they both need each other i i think they'll be fine
0: this is the overtime podcast network the fact that Adam Gase apparently didn't want Le'Veon Bell was one of the first details to leak after the firing of Mike McCagnon and Brian Hemmerdinger, but some more things have been leaking out over the last couple of days. Let's start with the coaching search in general. Matt Rule, what happened there? We had heard that he was brought in and that he was the favorite for the job and that they wanted to pick his staff and he said, no, thanks. What exactly was the deal there? Was that a Christopher Johnson call? Was that something Mike McCagnin wanted? What do you know about this?
1: Yeah, from my understanding, it was uh, it was kind of a Christopher Johnson thing. Like, I will go, and uh, I'm good with getting a, a college head coach, but we want NFL people on the staff and NFL people that we can know and trust. And Matt Rule was just like, you're not going to, to have control over my staff. If you're going to offer me the job— I need control of my staff, and that's completely and totally understandable. Uh, I think that it was it was kind of a, a situation where the Tagman was involved, and he was talking about it, but he was uh, given his input, but he was also trying to kind of please his boss and see what his boss wanted and see what Christopher Johnson wanted, and to just kind of go with it. There, that's that's pretty much what I've been hearing. He, you know. He wasn't a huge uh, idea of McCarthy because he figured that McCarthy would take over and push him out, so it's ironic that he was happy to go along with Gase there, but I think he he wasn't really too concerned. He was mostly concerned about trying to please Christopher Johnson and just go along with Christopher Johnson.
0: So basically what it comes down to is Christopher Johnson had his favorites and then Mike McCagney would say, yes, boss, that sounds good to me. Pretty much,
1: yeah. And like I said, he was trying to read the tea leaves and see where Christopher Johnson was going and it kind of being the yes man in that situation.
0: So the idea that Mike Mcagnin picked Adam Gase is a little faulty. It was more that Christopher Johnson picked him, and Mike Mcagnin went along with the idea because he just wanted to say whatever he had to say to keep Christopher Johnson happy.
1: Yeah, and and look here on this situation, I've heard both on opposite sides. I heard that this was Christopher Johnson's call, and I heard that Matt, no Mac really wanted him. But the most most of what I heard was in, in the middle there where it was just he was going to be good with pretty much whatever Christopher Johnson said. He felt that he kind of needed to be good. Uh, he, You know, it's not something that he could really risk objecting and picking a fight with Christopher Johnson about. So he was just going to kind of go along with it either way there.
0: How about Mike Lombardi reporting that Todd Bowles wanted to bench Tremaine Johnson because, A, he was ineffective, and, B, he was missing team meetings and did eventually get disciplined, but he wanted to flat-out bench him and was told by McCagnin and Hemmerdinger that he could not do that?
1: My initial reaction to this was, oh, now you wanted to bench a guy, Todd? <laughs> that was my initial reaction because I'm like, when has Todd Bowles ever benched anybody? But then I sat there, you know, he's in his, his last year. He 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 knew that it was going to be the end there. And he also, with all the issues that he had had of not benching players, maybe he finally learned that lesson. And I, you know, I don't think it was just because of play, like you just said, it was because of the missed team meetings, all, all different stuff, Even probably even the fact that, you know, he skipped out on talking to the media after games a couple of times where it's you know, I don't personally care about that, but the other reporters make a, a big deal about it, about that. So that draws more attention to it. And Bowles was probably just sick of it and done with it and wanted to finally lay, lay it down the law there. But I kind of get it from McCagden and Heimendinger's point of view there, too, because listen, we just signed this guy to a huge long term contract. We can't really risk uh just sabotaging it at this point. So as much as he did deserve to get benched, now he could have they could have just let him do it. And then when they fired bulls been like we tried to talk him out of it. And so you you never really want to stop uh coaches from doing stuff like that. It's not a good look. It's not something you should do. But I, I do get it on that hand too. It, it but it's just funny to me that this that he finally found the line of what he was willing to do to bench a player.
0: Then we also heard from Albert Breer that Gase actually did want CJ Mosley and that the reports previously that he didn't want Mosley were false. It seems like there's some wiggle room here because maybe it's possible he wanted Mosley but objected to the amount of money that was being spent or didn't see him as a major priority. What have you heard about what Gase felt about the CJ Mosley signing?
1: Yeah, what I was told was that he didn't want Mosley. Um, it's this time, this is kind of tricky when you hear this stuff after a person's fired, because you got to listen and kind of parse words and figure out the motivation for who's telling you what. So it's kind of like free agency stuff where you can't really be a hundred percent sure of what you're hearing. Uh, I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and, and dispute at, uh, Albert Breer's report here. I don't know why I almost called him Albert Bell, two completely different people. Um, uh, he has proven that he, you know, he gets his information about the Jets to be really good. So uh, I will go with him here. But one thing I have heard consistently here is Gase does like to do this thing where he kind of toes the line he straddles the fence so that he he can play wait and play the results so he can set it up on either way it goes if it fails then he can sit there and say he was against it and pin the blame on someone else and if it succeeds he can look at things and point at and say this is i was right and this is i want credit for this so this could be along those one of those things along those lines and it's entirely possible that I I got the the whole thing about him not wanting Mosley wrong.
0: Let me throw this out there at you, Chris, because I know it's gonna sound crazy, but crazier things have happened. We know that Tremaine Johnson even drove mild mannered Todd Bowles to the point where he wanted to bench him because he was such a pain last year, in wow. addition to his poor play. We know that Adam Gase hates those types of players and looks to get rid of them immediately. We also know that Arizona just lost Patrick Peterson for six games to a suspension. We know that the Jets have cap space so they could absorb a hit of trading Tremaine Johnson. Think there's any possibility that Gase gets on the phone and calls up Arizona and says, Hey, listen, you're looking for a cornerback? I got somebody for you. I
1: mean, I can't rule out a possibility that Gase would get on the phone and make an offer like that. I, I think I feel comfortable enough uh, ruling out that Arizona would agree to do that. <laughs> uh, I, I just can't imagine anybody's going to want to uh, trade for Truman, Truman Johnson in that contract after the year he had. Uh, I, I just can't see that happening.
0: Last order of business, Chris Scott Pioli, who had a run in New England with Bill Belichick in Kansas City. And then most recently in Atlanta, and who also happens to be the son-in-law of Mr. Bill Parcells, he resigned from the Atlanta front office yesterday, giving way to speculation that maybe he could be in the running for a front office job with the New York Jets. As far as I can tell, there's no known link between Pioli and Adam Gase, so I thought the speculation was a little weird. But the timing is interesting. Could there be anything to this?
1: From what I I went, because I did the same thing. I, I saw the report, and I was like, OK, timing. Got to check into this. Uh, I was told that it has it's completely separate, it has nothing to do with this. I don't know the exact reasoning, but it is not about the Jets job. And then, you know, I started thinking, like you just said, I, I didn't see or know of any case connection there. So it seems like this is completely unrelated and, and it's not going to be, uh you know, have anything to do with the Jets here.
0: Worth noting that he does have a history with the Jets because he was the director of player personnel here from 1997 to 2000, the years that Bill Parcells was here. However, in a strange twist, he went with Bill Belichick to New England, so he picked Belichick over his father-in-law. I'm sure that made for some very awkward Thanksgiving dinners later on down the line, but he has a history here, though not with the Johnsons, so I guess... Anything's possible, but I would think that it's more important at this point that he would have a relationship with Gase, as far as I can tell, he doesn't have one, so I don't think that he's going to be in the running for the job, but we'll see what happens with Joe Douglas, Daniel Jeremiah, and a couple of the other candidates as this all unfolds. It's like the greatest reality show that never was planned to be a reality show. Whether or not you're a Jets fan, at a certain point, you got to admire the entertainment value of all of this. As you said to me, Chris, this morning... It's never boring with this team, if nothing else.
1: (laughs) No, no, never, ever, ever boring. It's always something.
0: Plenty to talk about. And in fact, starting tomorrow, we are going to get into the mailbag. Tons of questions. We're going to answer them in parts. We're going to get to all of your questions. So don't worry about it. If you ask the question, we're going to answer it unless it was something borderline insane or threatening (laughs) or borderline (laughs) insane and threatening. It could be some combination of the two. We will answer them for you on the podcast in the mailbag. In the meantime, make sure that you go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter and read his very big deal website because, listen, if you want to be up to date with what's going on with the Jets, you want to go to TurnOnTheJets.com, but you also want to go and check out what the very big deal Chris Nimbley is reporting on JetsInsider.com. Right, Chris?
1: Yes, absolutely. So you can find that work on JetsInsider.com, and you can find me on Twitter at CNimbley and at JetsInsider.
0: We will be back with the mailbag tomorrow. In the meantime, follow Chris on Twitter. Go ahead and go to JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn TurnOnTheJets.com.